Hey friends, my name is Maddie Wong and I'm the creative director here at Fielder Church. Welcome back to another episode of the Fielder Church podcast. Today, we are starting a brand new sermon series that will run the entire month of July, where each week we're gonna bring different church planters to talk about what it means to plant, how you can live sent, and I'm sure we'll talk all about the goodness and faithfulness of God. So to kick off that series, I have brought one of my friends and previous coworkers onto the podcast today to start us off. So Charlie, yeah. why don't you introduce yourself, tell a little bit about your family that's growing and yeah, your background. To. Yeah, well, it's really good to be back here, especially like you said, with uh, with some friends back at Fielder Church. So I'm Charlie Houck, and I am a pastor and church planter in San Diego, California. Our church plant is called Mesa Church of San Diego. So about five or six years ago now, God uh, called my wife, Audrey, and I into church planting in San Diego. There's a long mm-hmm. story that I won't get into, but we mm-hmm. had a history with that city. We fell in love with it. Yeah. And uh, gradually over the next couple of years, he eventually connected us to Fielder Church. And yeah. in 2019, our family became members. I think you were part of our first small group, probably yeah. at Richard and Glenn McKay's <laughs> I know, house. That's great. <laughs> and uh, ended up spending about a year and a half on staff here at Fielder doing a residency, learning about church planting, and then in, in 2020 of all years, mm-hmm. uh, raised up a team and moved to San Diego. Yeah. And so uh, it's not exactly what we expected, which I'm sure we'll get into, but yeah. it has been an, an incredible journey. Um, so Audrey and I also have two little boys, uh, Lewis and Benji, who mm-hmm. are... Uh, four and almost one, and so they keep us busy. But it's been a it's been a fun journey. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll get into the journey of church planting yeah, here oh, a little yeah. bit. I'm yeah, ups and downs for sure. But let's just set the stage for our listeners. Okay. If you would just give um, just a brief explanation of what is a church plant, because some people listening may be like, why should we church plant? Yeah. So will yeah. you just help paint a picture of what is a church plant? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you might have noticed we don't have uh, we don't go to churches that date back to the days of Jesus, right? So yeah. we know that Jesus' disciples planted churches. That was part of his plan for how the Great Commission expanded was to work for the church. But we also know that part of Jesus' plan was not to create churches that live forever. Mm-hmm. That churches have a lifespan. So everyone who's yeah. reached with the gospel is reached through a church that somebody started at some point. Mm-hmm. And so if we ever, as the North American Church or the global church, mm-hmm. stop starting new churches, we eventually stop the spread of the gospel because yeah. churches have a lifespan. And so we plant churches because there are people that need the gospel and Mm -hmm. Jesus has chosen to reach them through churches that all have a lifespan and we always need to start new ones. We also know statistically that new churches Mm -hmm. tend to reach more uh, Mm non-believers, baptize more adults, and have more of an impact on their community than churches that are getting on later into their lifespan. Um, So there's God has plans for all kinds of churches in all different phases, but I personally believe, and mm-hmm. I think the numbers bear this out, that that new churches, church plants, are the most strategic way to reach the lost of a city. Yeah, so. I love that. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about your and your wife's yeah. journey to church planting, and when did you guys, when did God call you to plant, but then tell us a little bit about yeah, no, that's, that's that's quite a story. So uh, when I got saved when I was 22, I knew that I was called to teach God's word. And so I kind of had that, you know, that kind of waypoint in the future that I was heading towards. Uh, and everyone assumes when you're called to teach God's word, you're going to be a pastor eventually. So you're probably set off as like a, a half pastor, a student pastor or mm-hmm. something. Um, but for me, I never wanted to do that. I never met a church I wanted to work for. And so instead of going to work for a church, I went to seminary. Yeah. And it was in seminary that I started to hear about uh, church planting. And so mm-hmm. I joke, my motivation issue was not a good one. I didn't mm-hmm. want to work for a church. And so I was like, I'll just go start. <laughs> my own. Not a great oh reason gosh. to get into church planting, but God used that to get me into a meeting where I heard about mm-hmm. the need for new churches and yeah. how it's entrepreneurial and it reaches the lost. And in that meeting, they showed this mm-hmm. board that had, this is back yeah. in like 2015. Now they showed this board that had the 10 cities in North America with the most lostness and mm-hmm. San Diego was on it. Mm-hmm. So I had lived in San Diego in the past. I was a Navy brat. It's part of my store. I was born near there, mm-hmm. loved the city, visited every year. And I said, okay, that's, that's where we're headed. Yeah. Now, uh, it was a much longer process of about the next two years for God 
God to gradually bring Audrey, as you, you might have remember part of that story, yeah. for God to gradually bring my wife Audrey on board with it. Mm-hmm. But he used ultimately Fielder Church, mm-hmm. he used the teaching of Pastor yeah. Jason uh, to bring us together on that. And uh, so mm-hmm. now it's been about five years where we've been together wow. just in this calling uh, on mission towards San Diego. So oh, I love it. Um, it was a joy just to be a part of yeah. y'all's journey and just praying with y'all as you guys were sent out and just seeing all that God's doing in San Diego through you guys. So how did you decide to plant in San Diego of all places? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you heard it there, but yeah. Yeah. So oftentimes when God calls someone to plant, mm-hmm. he'll call us to a location. Not always. I tell people sometimes we get too fixated on location, but for me, having a love for the city, having a heart for it, but also having the ability to be there. So part mm-hmm. of my story is that I had a career outside of the church. Audrey has a career outside of the church. Yeah. And on the West Coast, there's a need for church planters and there's not enough funding. There's not mm-hmm. enough people who can make it there. And so we knew, hey, we've got a love for the city. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, jobs that fit in the city. Let's let's try this. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is as we pursued San Diego and as we began to take vision trips there and go there, God just continued to confirm again yeah. and again and again. And we found that as we walked towards a city that we loved, God gave the confirmation mm-hmm. that that was the city he was calling us to. You know, I mm-hmm. wish I could have one of those stories sometimes where, you know, two a husband and wife will go to like separate rooms and pray and <laughs> yeah, they both write I've down like a street address. And, yeah. that, and that wasn't our story. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay because God used really practical mm-hmm. reasons and love for the city in our life to ultimately bring us there. Yeah, so. I love that. Um, so what is your favorite thing about San Diego? Yeah. <laughs> we'll go to a fun question. <laughs> okay, so uh, a couple things. I mean, obviously I love the weather yeah. and I love the Mexican food there, right? Baja food, it, mm. it's a unique cuisine that is unique to, to Southern California and Baja California. And it is amazing. People need to come out there, get some street tacos, get some carne asada fries. Oh, what I love about doing ministry in San Diego mm-hmm. is that it is a truly diverse place in every way. So yeah. San Diego, uh, a lot of people don't realize it has more military in it than any other city in mm-hmm. North America. There's about a quarter of a million military personnel and their families. It also has the busiest international border in North America between mm-hmm. Tijuana and San Diego. Mm-hmm. It's also the number one stopping point for refugees from the Middle East and from Asia coming wow. into the States. And then it's part of California. So you get your typical, you know, the groups you'd expect <laughs> uh-huh. without, the groups you'd expect in California. Yeah. And so you have true diversity, not only of culture, but of, you know, ideologies. You have a more political diversity and social diversity than anywhere else in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And I've really started to love doing ministry there because of just the spectrum of people that I mm-hmm. get to uh to relate to. Yeah, that's great. Um, I want to dive in a little bit more about what it's like navigating church planting because yeah. you are you're not just a church planter. Like you are a dad, you're a husband, you you're a leader of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there is a fundraising aspect mm-hmm. to it. So what was that process kind of like for you? And I mean, if you want to go the direction of yeah. maybe just like <laughs> what was it like for you? But then also like how did you have to rely on God through this whole thing that is just like I don't know if you took a class on church planting or like. I did. I don't know how much help oh, it was, but okay. way back <laughs> cool. I took a class uh, at Southwestern yeah. Seminary. Yeah. So I would say uh, this is the second part of your question, but it's where I want to start. Yeah. Um, you know, in John John 15, Jesus says, "You know, apart from me, you can do nothing." Mm-hmm. Yes. And right. So <laughs> Amen. you know where I'm going. So in in the last year, God has done has done this thing in my life again and again, where I have to come back to that verse and ask myself, like, do I really believe this? Mm. Um, I think. We all say in ministry that uh, we can do nothing apart from Jesus. I think the truth is a lot of us who are young, we don't really believe that. Yeah. Um, we, we think there's something that we can offer God. And what I've seen through church planning is that again and again and again, my inadequacies are exposed, mm. but then God comes through anyway, yeah. sovereignly to see his calling through. Wow. And so it's been difficult. Like mm-hmm. you said, we're a chief fundraiser. You know, uh, part of our story uh, mm-hmm. with some of the difficulties of 2020 yeah. and just personal loss and COVID and trying to raise money in a pandemic. Yeah. And so... Again and again and again, it felt like the odds were stacked against us, and I was being called into things like fundraising and evangelism that are not, mm-hmm. you know, part of my, the history of my, the way I'd used my gifts yeah. in the past. Right. 
And again, again, I saw God uh, come through and provide for us to raise our full support needs financially during the middle of the pandemic in 2020. For God to provide places to live through um, initially a short-term housing solution through a partner and then now Mm -hmm. merging with a church that had a parsonage. Um, Providing a team, uh, a diverse team from Texas and California that wanted to join in with our mission. And so what that's done is it's meant that the challenges I face, you mentioned being, um, yeah. you know, a husband, a father of a growing family, mm-hmm. being a pastor, you know, we've been yeah. talking enough about how if you want to start a church, you better be ready to pastor some people. Yes. And now I've got 40 to 50 people that I have to shepherd and and care for and, mm-hmm. and be, the, be there in the hospital and at the funerals and at the weddings. Yeah. You know, I'm inadequate in all of those things. Mm-hmm. But in Jesus... He, he, Jesus is faithful to give me what I need to, to be yeah. all of those things to, to our church. And so I would say it's just been a lesson uh, and a continued journey in finding out how inadequate I am, but how sufficient Christ is. Yeah, so that's so good. Um, so what, I guess we'll kind of chase that for a little bit. Yeah. What is maybe, maybe the biggest thing you've learned about God yeah. through this process or even now, you know, you've been there several years. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, so again, chasing that thought of, yeah. of inadequacy. So, mm-hmm. One of the, the the texts that you guys are going through in Exodus mm-hmm. and uh, that I have the privilege of kind of studying for my time here at Fielder has mm-hmm. to do with Moses's calling and God's sovereignty mm-hmm. in his calling. And and I think we, we again, we assume, we pay lip service to the fact that God is sovereign. He has a plan that's better than ours. Mm-hmm. But we always assume his plan's going to line up with what makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I'm learning is that often I will see an issue. Yeah. And in, in my flesh, I want to take control of my calling and solve that issue using the gifts that I already have. So, for instance, I had a background outside of the church. When we needed funding, I wanted to go work in yeah. my old secular career and, uh-huh. and be bivocational. Nothing wrong with that, but it was mm-hmm. my solution. And what I've seen again and again is that sometimes God will like actually solve problems in a way that doesn't make sense just to show how sovereign he is. Yeah. And so an example of that, very recently, we had a baptism celebration plan. And there were two, yeah. there's two young men in our church, two young Latino men, uh, one from Honduras, one from mm-hmm. uh, Baja, California, who had been discipling and witnessing. And, and they were scheduled to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was almost like pride creeping in because I said, okay, finally, this has been successful to go meet people in the community, mm-hmm. get them discipled, get them saved, get mm-hmm. them baptized, get them scheduled. And we're mm-hmm. celebrating. We're going to have this baptism celebration. It's going to be amazing. And that pride was kind oh. of creeping in. Well, long story short, neither of those guys ended up getting baptized, but three other people did. Three people who were reached, not through any of my doing, who just (laughs) on Sunday morning were like, hey, we need the gospel, or got discipled through someone else, or came forward and said, hey, I've been going to church a long time. I've never really understood the gospel. I want to get baptized. And so we saw God provide and answer our prayers (laughs) to have three adults be baptized at a beach celebration I planned for two other people who we're still working on, but but didn't come through. And so I just see how um, Mm -hmm. God will work in ways to his glory, but also to show us who's really in control. Yeah. So. I love that. Um, what are some maybe pillars or values yeah. that your church has? Yeah, so them? it's interesting because we've been through a couple different names, as you know, yeah. uh, in our time <laughs> in San Diego. And so when we uh, took over another church, replanted and relaunched, we now have the brand Mesa Church, which mm-hmm. uh, you know in Spanish just means table. And so yeah. we say you know, we exist to help people find their place at the table of Jesus because mm-hmm. everyone has a place at the table of Jesus. So mm-hmm. really, basically, we want to be a place in our community where people can find a seat at the table mm-hmm. and hear the gospel. And as we live out that Great Commission calling, we have six values that kind of define who we are as a church. And they're presented as choosing something over something else because oftentimes especially in our culture, there's so many things demanding our time Mm -hmm. that a choice to pursue something is a choice to step away from something else. So we say we want to pursue Jesus over everything. We want to be a church that values Jesus, Mm -hmm. values his word. We want to pursue community over Mm -hmm. isolation in a a society that's increasingly increasingly isolated into digital silos. We want to be a true community around the table. Mm 
We want to pursue prayer over self-reliance. And so pray first, really believe that the prayer is the work instead of trying to have our own plans and do our own thing before we seek God. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping I remember all these right now because yeah. always, that's always the challenge. Right? <laughs> we'll link them below the in the show notes. Right. So, so, uh, <laughs> uh, we want to pursue diversity yeah. over comfort uh, yeah. until we get comfortable around diversity. And so mm-hmm. we've said, hey, a lot of our church is comfortable with diversity because they're from a diverse city. That's great. Mm-hmm. But some people aren't. And so we're going to pursue diversity mm-hmm. of culture and appearance and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, socioeconomic status, even if it makes us uncomfortable because we want to choose that value, mm-hmm. that kingdom value yeah. over our own comfort. Mm-hmm. We're going to choose generosity over selfishness. We want to be a church that gives generously mm-hmm. towards other kingdom causes. And then finally, mm-hmm. and I think this this is kind of some of that fielder DNA coming mm-hmm. through as well. We want to choose multiplication over addition. We want to be a church that seeks to help plant other churches before we seek to grow our own. And yeah. so by God's grace, we've already been able to be part of, mm-hmm. of some church planting in San Diego. And we're actually you know, mm-hmm. prayerfully looking at even within two years, sending out a team uh, to, to plant in another area of our city. So we want to mm-hmm. you know, live those values. Yeah. So. Um, I'm going to hone in on one of them. Yeah, Maybe go we'll ahead. go on several. Yeah, yeah, but um, we are kindred spirits yeah. with you and Fielder of just mm-hmm. trying to pursue a diverse church. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about maybe what the demographic makeup is of yeah. your church right now and then how you're trying to diversify? Yeah, so we're small, right? So yeah. uh, like one family joining would like change the, t- <laughs> the statistics. Yeah. Uh, we have about 60 people that call our church home. Okay. So every Sunday it's about 40. And of those 60, um, we are about half Anglo, um, or a little bit over half Anglo. And then we have um, a large Latino uh, population, about 30 to 40% of our church. Mm-hmm. And then we have some uh, migrants and refugees from Africa and the Middle East that come occasionally. We actually have a family from Africa that just joined. And so like I said, one mm-hmm. family joining can really change those numbers. Yeah. The unique thing with our church is that... Uh, across all those demographics are about 40 to 50% active duty military. Wow. And so that brings a very unique people group with a unique set of challenges, mm-hmm. a unique set of um, demands on their schedule yeah. and inability just to be part of normal church activities. And so what we found is that actually we're having a lot of unity across cultural mm-hmm. lines in our church. Um, maybe it's just, I don't, I don't know what, it, God has just given us grace in that. Yeah. We have not faced the headwinds I expected. The challenge has been in uniting military and non-military because of just the different lives that they lead in in the same city. In a lot of cases, in the same neighborhoods. The military housing Mm -hmm. in San Diego is in the neighborhoods with non-military. So same neighborhoods, totally different people live totally different lives. And so that's been one of the challenges that we've faced. Okay. Um, So I guess what are some advantages that you would say of being a diverse church? It's easy to point out the struggles. You're like, man, ministry is hard right now, but it's worth it. But... What is the beauty in it or the advantages of saying this is a pillar of our church? Yeah, so I think you can be ready for whoever God brings. Yeah. You know, I think that there are churches all over our country, which oftentimes no fault of their own, there are families in their neighborhood that if they walked into that church would immediately feel out of place mm-hmm. and feel like there's no one for them. You know, we recently had a, a couple that um, a really sweet couple named Tatiana and Alejandro who have mm-hmm. been visiting our church, want to become members, like eight months pregnant. And Alejandro doesn't speak English. Wow. And they came into our church from the neighborhood because they had had mm-hmm. trouble finding a solid Spanish-speaking church. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're both a little... You know, Tatiana is very fluent in English. Alejandro is getting there. Yeah. And because we had other Spanish speakers and because mm-hmm. we had other people from Latin America, they fit in. And in fact, Alejandro ended up getting saved because wow. one of our Spanish-speaking team members was able to share the gospel with him and set a gospel appointment. Mm-hmm. So if we were in a diverse church... Mm-hmm. If they had showed up, like they never would have come back. And we would right. not have even had anyone who was capable yeah. of sharing the gospel. Oh, that's so that's good. a huge advantage yeah. is just being able to open your door. And then I also think, yeah, and this is something that Fielder talks about, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm probably just like parroting Jason here. <laughs> 
But it's such an advantage in leadership mm-hmm. to have different perspectives on issues that you face. Yeah. So when we teach a sermon series on diversity, or when we teach a sermon series on responding to gender identity, mm-hmm. I don't have to just rely on my own cultural understanding, but I can actually ask other voices in our church, hey, how does this impact the military community? Or growing up in a, mm-hmm. in a liberal California household, like yeah. what do you, how, how does the mm-hmm. gospel speak to this in your mind? And yeah. so it makes us better equipped um, for leadership and to respond to issues that come up in the world today. Yeah. So you talk about you're kind of having to shift your ministry model yeah. to reach military. What are you doing to um, kind of reach your city? Yeah. What does outreach look like for your yeah. church? Yeah. So uh, right now, our outreach is heavily focused on military. So mm-hmm. recently, we just completed a six-week marriage course that we taught in wow. uh, conjunction with a base chaplain. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're if you're listening to this and you're you're in the military and you've never been yeah. to San Diego, it's just different than other military cities. Okay. In San Diego, the military live off base; they don't live on the bases. The, oh. the military owns houses in normal neighborhoods. Mm. This also means there's like chapels off base. So like mm. near my church, there's a big Navy chapel, and mm. so we were able to work with that chaplain and another church plan actually mm-hmm. and do a six week marriage course. Uh, we just use an old curriculum, mm-hmm. and we had several military families just show up to our church and go through this marriage course as a way to get connected. Wow. So we're seeking to do that event again, and we're doing more outreach type events like family nights for military. We're also changing how we do small groups, and so we realized, you know, when, when you're in the military and at any given time you can get a call to drop everything and deploy. Right. And someone invites you to a small group, it kind of feels like they're asking you to commit to come every Wednesday night for the next five years. Mm, you know, that, yep. that's the main. Yep. So we're like our D group, we're starting a new discipleship group model where we're going to do D groups that the whole goal is meet six times in 12 weeks. Mm, and that's yeah. it. You don't have to commit for the rest of your life. You don't have to commit for the rest of the year. Hey, in the next 12 weeks, can you meet six times to try and level up in your walk with God? Yeah. And then we'll move on to whatever's next. And it'd yeah. be great to do another one, mm-hmm. but we're having to learn to be flexible mm-hmm. and to try and really influence people in the time that we have to influence them. Because the average military yeah. season in a city like San Diego is about three years. Okay. Usually takes a year to a year and a half, a year to a year and a half to get a family connected to a church. Mm-hmm. That gives you 12 to 18 months to disciple them before oh. they're going to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. And so we're trying to become more agile mm-hmm. to really hone in on those 12 to 18 months to authentically disciple people so that we can send them out, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a better place in their faith than they were when we found them. Yeah. So that's good. I want to shift just a yeah, little bit please. and talk about. Um, just spiritual warfare okay. that comes yeah. in planting. I mean, you are charging the gates of hell with the gospel in a very unreached city. And so I'm sure the enemy is not happy yeah. about that. And so I know whether you speak personally in your family or you speak to your church at large, where have you encountered, you don't have to give specifics if you yeah. want to, but just maybe how yeah, have I, you I could, walked through that? And yeah, yeah. man. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you ever have someone tell you something that uh, was was prophetic and you almost wish that it wasn't? Mm. So five years ago, when I started on this journey, I had a mentor. He's since passed on, a wonderful man of God at Southwestern Seminary. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I think you've, you've got, like, God's given you what you need to fulfill this calling, but what you lack is scars. Oh. And I look back on He's that moment. <laughs> yeah, I look back on that moment because, man, mm-hmm. I carry a lot of scars now. Mm-hmm. And so our family story, mm-hmm. since we committed to planting, there's been multiple job losses. There's been vehicles that just died. There's been family conflict, really painful family mm-hmm. conflict. And we've had pregnancy loss and infant loss. Mm-hmm. And in all of those things, I've learned to look back and say, man, like there is a spiritual warfare component mm-hmm. of that. I, Right now, I, I, I yeah. mentioned before we did this, I'm hoping I can get this podcast without coughing because I had a cold all last week. Yeah, My family has been sick for like six weeks mm. and kind of in, in quiet time, which my quiet time has been impacted by that because I just couldn't wake up. Yeah, I remember recently just praying this week and realizing like, man, this was like a really important six weeks for the life of our church plant. Like it's not an accident that sickness was in our home. And yeah. so 
I'm learning to, to name spiritual warfare more quickly, mm. to know that it comes from areas you don't expect. Like spiritual yeah. warfare can just be um, a simple disagreement with another one of your leaders, yeah. where both of you are honestly trying to follow God, but the devil's found a way to seize on a disagreement and try to sow discord. It can be yeah. illness. It can be um, random bills. We, we've experienced so many different areas. And what I've learned is that the key is to not stop praying. Yeah. You know, we have a, a prayer team. I'm so bad at updating our prayer team. Like, <laughs> I, you know that because you're on that text <laughs> I love thread. your updates, though. They're, they're great. great. I do but pray for they're you. not enough. Um, uh, making sure you've got a good team of people praying for you and that you're honest about what you're going for. You're not afraid to call it spiritual warfare. You know what yeah. we do in the church so often is we look back on seasons. We're like, man, there was spiritual warfare going on. Yeah. I'm learning. I need to be much better about seeing it when it's happening yeah. so I can name it mm. and get other people praying that God will deliver us out of that season. Yeah. And so, that, yeah, that's, if, you, if you're listening to this, you're thinking about <laughs> going or planting, just know it's not a matter of if, mm -hmm. it's a matter of when. Yeah. And so get your prayer team mm -hmm. and pray quickly when you're facing challenges because these things can snowball. And if you try to face it on your own, yeah. you're playing exactly into the enemy's mm -hmm. hand. Yeah, so. but God does hear our prayers, he does. you know, and he will comfort That's right. and redeem you, rescue you. Um, not always, you know, the way that you might want. You may leave you with a scar, you know, but it's good for us. So, yeah. um, but I'm sure you have also have stories of just victory in your yeah. church and stories of life change, stories that only God could do. And yeah. so would you share just yeah, whatever comes man, to mind? There's a couple that come to mind. One that was early on in our time in San Diego, one more recently. So something really cool that God did when we first got to San Diego was he allowed me to disciple uh, two young men who were in the Navy. And mm -hmm. so one of them was actually a connection I'd made because his family was connected to Fielder okay. and he heard about what we were doing. He was moving to San Diego and it was he and his roommate. And uh, his roommate had grown up in the church, but hadn't been to church in years. And so mm -hmm. I started discipling them every Saturday morning. We're prayer walking through our city and just getting into God's word. And it came out that that this other young man who um, had, hadn't been to church in years was was dating a girl who was an atheist and like militant, came from a militant atheist family, had a dad who hated God. Wow. And as he was being discipled and, and growing in his faith, he's like, I want to marry this girl, but what am I going to do? Like, she's an atheist and I'm being convicted. Yeah. We need to be equally yoked. I mean, we need to get married. Like, how does this work? And I was like, okay, well, have you ever talked to her about the gospel? And he's like, well, no. <laughs> and so we started praying. He said, hey, let's, let's pray for a month yeah. for this conversation where you're going to talk to her about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I get, I get chills sharing this, but we prayed together for a month and he had scheduled uh, uh, on Easter Sunday of last year mm -hmm. to, to share the gospel with her. Long story short is the, the night that he called her to talk about Jesus, mm -hmm. she told him, that in the last month she had been invited to church with a friend, had gone to church, had gotten saved, and was going to get baptized. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just so, got chills. And so, and now, and now Praise they're God. married and pursuing Christ wow. together. And so, just seeing the way mm. that God moves, and mm. it, again, it's not what you expect, right? No. It's not what you imagine as a church planter. No. It's not. It's not. Oftentimes, not even like the the, yeah. the ex, but just seeing that He can move mm -hmm. to to see someone come to salvation across the country, but just because you chose yeah. to. Uh, to pray for them. And then, you know, this is more of a, of a, of a personal story, yeah. but just seeing how God works in every detail. So mm -hmm. just like here mm -hmm. in San Diego right now, we are in a housing crisis. Yeah. And I actually have, have made friends since I've been there that have had to leave the city, not because they can't mm -hmm. afford it, because they can't even find someone to rent them a house. Wow. And part of our story is that through the merger, God has provided our family with a house to live in. But even beyond that, we've been able to construct on our church property two other one-bedroom apartments wow. where now our entire staff well, mm -hmm. the staff that need it yeah. have housing right in our neighborhood 
right in central San Diego where we can mm-hmm. really be part of the community mm-hmm. done in the way only God could provide. Yeah. And so I just look at all these different small things mm-hmm. that, that seemingly could be impossible in man's eyes that mm-hmm. God just comes through again and again and again to provide for us and um, mm-hmm. yeah, give us what we need. Yeah, so. definitely makes you want to rely on him more. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, that probably wasn't where you were going with that question, but that's no, just what comes to mind right no. now. So yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's many more. So if you want to know more, you should definitely reach out to Charlie <laughs> and get connected with him. But along that line, yeah. there might be people listening who are wrestling yeah. with a call to church plant, join a church plant. What would you want to say to them? Yeah, a couple things. One, that that's a good desire. You yeah. know, um, it is a good and God on, God honoring thing to consider church planting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just take the pressure off right now. Mm-hmm. Something I tell people: if you if you pursue that call, right, and you're being obedient to God in other areas, if if you're seeking God, if you've got time with Him, if your church approves of it, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a mistake, yeah. right? Uh, God isn't trying to play a trick on you. He's not trying to pull mm-hmm. the wool over your eyes. I always yeah. would tell people when we're going to San Diego. Man, someday when I'm at the judgment seat of Christ and we're mm-hmm. reviewing my life, there'll be a lot of things that God's going to tell me were wrong. Yeah. You know it's not going to be one of them? Moving my family to San Diego to try and reach lost people with the yeah. gospel. Like he's not going to hold that as a, as a strike <laughs> against me, right? So so take the pressure off that you're going to make a mistake in pursuing this. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I would say my number one piece of advice is go find a church planter and try this That's out. Good. Go be part of a team. You know, if there's one thing I could change in my story, it's that I would have been part of a church plant earlier in my 20s to really watch someone else do it and watch someone else go through this process. Find someone who's planting a church, show up and be whatever they need you to be and just serve for a season and learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Even if you're someone who's called to be a lead planter, I think it's really valuable to partner under someone Mm -hmm. for a season and watch how they reach a city. But um, but yeah, I would just encourage people who are praying through that to to start taking steps to pursue it and trust that God will redirect them if it's not what he has. Yeah. There is also the flip side of that. We'll probably have listeners that will say, "Eh, God's not calling me to that. (laughs) But... How would you encourage them to just think differently about their neighborhood, workplace, yeah. community? Like God is still calling you to share right. the gospel. It may just not be with the church plant. So yeah. I guess, what would you say to those people? Well, like we said, the church is plan A to reach the lost. Right. And there is no plan B, right? Jesus left us here to reach the lost. And so if you're a Christian and you're in a situation where there are lost people who need the gospel and you're near them, like you are plan A mm-hmm. and there may not be a plan B. You might be the person God is calling to reach them. So seek intentionality. You know, try to have relationships with lost friends. Try to, mm-hmm. to, to really be their friend, not just get to know someone so you can share the gospel with them, but to mm-hmm. really be an authentic friendship. How many people do you have around your table in a week, right? That's we talk good. about refrigerator rights. How many people have the right to walk into your home and open the refrigerator? And if there's no lost person, that. right, if there's no one that doesn't know Jesus who feels comfortable walking into your home and opening the fridge and grabbing a drink, mm-hmm. you might need to reassess how you're living your life yeah. because Jesus wants us to live his great commission. Mm-hmm. And then even if you're not called to church plant, mm-hmm. you can be engaged with church plant. Yeah. You can pray for a church mm-hmm. planter. You can give money to a church mm-hmm. planter. You can take a short-term missions trip to support a church planter. Mm-hmm. It blesses my family so much the way that we continue to have people from Texas and all over the country yeah. that love us, that pray for us, that support us, that visit us. Yeah. They have a, a part in the work that God is doing. Even yeah. if they're not part of a church plant, they've got some kingdom mm-hmm. credit growing for the work mm-hmm. they're doing towards church planting. Yeah. So... That's good. Um, along that line, how how does somebody know that God is calling you? I guess if you could speak yeah. a little bit to calling. I know that's a big question it mark. Is. And, and a I've lot got of like an hour long talk about that, <laughs> oh, which I can't man. do right now. So hey, no. here, a, a few a few thoughts on calling. Right? Uh, yeah. Can we? No. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll be short. A few okay. thoughts on calling. One, 
We uh, in the church, in the North American church, are often guilty of boiling, calling down to like that feeling in our gut. Where we're like, mm-hmm. is, this, is this the Holy Spirit or is it the pizza I ate last night? Right? Like we, we want God to just tell us what to do. Right. That is absolutely a way that God speaks and the way that God calls. It's not the only way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God calls us uh, through, the, yeah. through God's word, right? He yeah. calls us to many, many things through the Bible. So if you're seeking God's call, mm-hmm. think about what he's already told you through scripture. Are you living up to that? Are you being obedient to that? Try to be obedient to what yeah. God's called you to before you actually seek any new calling, right? If you're not hearing from God, you've already heard his word, follow his word. Mm-hmm. He also calls us through his church. Yeah. Man, he uses the church. When, when Paul is taking these young men, when Paul is taking Timothy and Barnabas, like, I don't think they were like praying through to discern where they were going to go with Paul. Yeah. Paul was like, hey, you're, I'm discipling. You're going to come with me on this missionary journey. Right. They went along for the ride and got discipled through him. And so mm-hmm. listen to your church. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're part of Fielder Church and they're planting a church somewhere, yeah. like really pray over that location before you pray for somewhere else. See if God's calling you to, to, in obedience to your church, go to that new location. And then just mm-hmm. know that God also speaks through your other callings. God yeah. speaks through your singleness, through your marriage, through your children. Like if, if you're married, there are certain callings you can't pursue. Mm-hmm. If you've got a special needs child, there may be certain callings you can't pursue. At the same yeah. time, if you are single or if you're married and don't have children, there's callings that are open to you that just aren't open to me right mm-hmm. now. And so take an honest look mm-hmm. at where you're at in your life and then begin to pursue something. Like God's calling all of us to serve him where we're at. I really think that we overcomplicate calling and we would do ourselves a big favor Mm -hmm. just to seek faithfully to take steps and directions of obedience. Mm -hmm. And if we have a desire towards church planting or towards mission work, like Mm -hmm. just take steps towards it and trust God that he'll stop you if it's not what he has. Yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I do want people to know how they can get in touch with you, where you at, how can people can find you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. That's probably the only social media you'll find me on Mm -hmm. uh, regularly. Uh, Charlie Halk on Facebook, please mm-hmm. add me. If you want to know yeah. more about our church plan, I'd love to add you just to some email threads and some private mm-hmm. Facebook groups. Yeah. And then you also learn more about Mesa Church at mesachurchsd.com. Okay. Um, that, it's, it's not a great website, but it's, it's, it has some info about our church, and yeah. it also has a place you can subscribe to our church-wide newsletter because we love sharing what God is doing in San Diego, yeah. especially with our Fielder family yeah. back here in Texas. That's so. so great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for listening and watching. Um, this has been a great conversation, yeah. and we are going to have another conversation with another church planter next week. So I hope you will tune in and join us there as well. Everything we talked about today will Mm -hmm. be in the show notes below, so you can check those out. If you have a question or a comment, or you just want to tell Charlie how great he is, you can go to (laughs) fielder.org slash podcast. Not not the last one. Okay, okay. (laughs) Um, And leave a comment or uh, feedback there. Thank you so much again for watching, and we'll see you next week. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Let us know if you have any questions or feedback from today's episode by going to fielder.org slash podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave a comment below. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review. That helps this message reach more people in our community because it's our hope this podcast will equip you and many others to live as a follower of Christ outside the walls of the church.